So, there was an elementary school teacher, and she was trying to educate in the knowledge of simple arithmetic. So the teacher asked, if I give you two cats, and then I give you two more cats, and then I give you two more cats, how many cats would you have Johnny? And Johnny answered, seven. She said, let me, let me state it again. Let me, um, close. So Johnny, if, if I give you two cats and then I give you two more cats and then I give you two more cats, how many cats do you have? Johnny said, seven. Being the great teacher that she is, she's patient and creative. And she said, let me phrase this a different way. Maybe um, if I give you two apples and then I give you two more apples and then I give you, we add two more. How many apples do you have? Johnny said, six. She goes, outstanding. That's great. And she's very proud of herself at this point because her teaching is really on point right now. She goes, so let's just bring this full circle and let's just wrap this up. So Johnny, if I give you two cats and then I give you two cats and then I give you two cats, how many cats do you have? And he confidently says, seven. And at this point, she shows that she's human. And she's like, how in the world can you answer seven? He said, well... I already have one cat at home. So if you give me six more, I've got seven. You guys, both the teacher and the student were correct. The, con the, the, the problem, the difficulty was context. It was perspective. It was life's experience. You might say... What we've got here is failure to communicate. <laughs> In life, how many of our difficulties, how many of our sources of division come from a lack of understanding? How many things divide us because we failed to ask the right questions or we failed to really listen to someone's answers? Think of this quandary when we read Matthew 18, 15 through 22. And have in the front of your hearts and the front of your minds the values of relationship and unity. When we read this passage, think relationship and unity. And as I read this passage, you're going to find four or five unique passages of scripture that you may be familiar with. But I want you to keep in mind as we read these scriptures, it's the same theme. The theme doesn't change. The context doesn't change. Okay, that, that theme of unity and relationship is our theme as we read this. This passage is about accurately discerning and translating Jesus in the midst of offense, 
disagreements and the threat of holding on to unforgiveness. So Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Verse 18, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Next verse, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Next verse, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I among them. Next verse. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven times. That's one continuous theme, friends. That's one continuous passage. Yet, I think the church, we've chopped this up into little Christian memes. We've chopped this up into little bite-sized morsels that fit our needs. Instead of looking at it in context. So, for example, you know, let's say I have a, a real legitimate need. And I'm like, hey, you know, would you, would you come and you know, pray with me? I have this legitimate need. And you're like, absolutely, because the word says where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Okay? And, and that is true. I believe that's true. But we use that, we, we use that loosely and we use that for too many things when the theme here is whenever two or three of you are gathered together in my name, seeking my heart, desiring restoration of relationship, wanting unity, Standing against unforgiveness, there I am in the midst of you. The theme doesn't change. Let's look at this closely and let's interpret Jesus in this scripture. That's what I talked about last week. I talked about interpreting Jesus, you know, clearly and accurately in, in the midst of scripture. So let's interpret Jesus in this. So I'm, I'm jumping back to verse 15 through 17. If your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. By the way, this, this principle that we see is called the Matthew 18 principle. This principle that we're reading here, this is what we point to as this is how we resolve conflict in the church. This is how we resolve conflict as the body of Christ. And I want you guys to know, I, I know that most people like shy away from conflict. At all costs, at all costs. But unfortunately, at all costs means also at the cost of seeing restoration of relationship. Confrontation and conflict are two different things. Peter, can I? Can, can you come up here real quick? With this handsome, strapping young lad. Okay, this right here, this is this is confrontation. It's a form of confrontation. It, nothing negative about this. Okay. 
Confrontation and conflict are two totally different things. Confrontation is just a coming together. But what's our purpose? What's our goal? Even conflict. Conflict doesn't have to be bad. Not all conflict is battle. Not all conflict are you going to get wounds and come out with scars. Thank you for coming up here and for confronting, for allowing me to confront you and confronting me back with this brotherly love. I'll start again with verse 15 from this Matthew 18 principle. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So go alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So let me ask you, in this right here, what is our goal? Unification, restoration, strengthening of relationship. So when we, what was that? Forgiveness. Okay. Let me point something out to you that's very obvious. It's, it's, the word is listed four times in that passage I just read to you, and it shows us what our goal should be. Okay? It's listed four times. Anyone have any idea what that word is that's listed four times? Katie? You are the most brilliant person in this room. Katie, wow. First of all, the confidence to which she just shot up her hand. She's like, I know the answer to this. You are awesome. Listen, would you like to, would you like to preach? Because you got it, baby. You got, you got this. That was awesome. Listen. Our goal is to listen. Okay, listen to this, friends. Please hear me. Our goal is not to be right. Our goal is not that they feel bad. Our goal is not even that they give us an apology. Our goal is that they listen. This is how the word listen is translated in the Aramaic, in that passage, that this, this is what listen means, that they consider what we are saying and give ear to us, that they attempt to gain understanding and hear the heart of what is said. That's the goal. That they, that they listen, that they give ear, that, that I uh, attempt to gain understanding. And that I hear the heart of what's said. That's the goal, friends. When, when we approach one another, when, when there's hurt or offense or possible hurt and offense, but we care enough about the relationships and we go to one another, the goal is that they listen. So I want to encourage us with this. Our approach really does make a big difference on if they can listen or not. The word tells us we're to speak the truth in love. So we've got to have a heart of love when we have this approach. Timing is everything. Message and delivery. For there to be good communication, all three of those components have to be in place. Timing, message, delivery. And so if we truly want restoration, then let's, give, let's be thoughtful in our timing. Let's be kind and loving in, in our delivery. And let's make sure that our message is true and not exaggerated or anything. Listen. Try to understand. Let's look at an example of a young 12-year-old Jesus. Okay? 
in Luke chapter 2, he's in the temple. In Luke 2, 46, it says, After three days, they, meaning his parents, Mary and Joseph, found Jesus in the temple, sitting among the teachers, doing what? Listening to them. And what else? Asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Listening and asking questions. See, if you truly are teachable, if I truly am teachable, I will ask questions. Hold on, hold on. Now, when you said that, what does that mean? Hold on, when, when you say that, I, I'm not familiar with that term. Can you unpack that for me? Hold on, when, when, when you say that, what, what do you mean by that? Could, could you elaborate? What do you mean by that? Even in my posing of that, doesn't it truly seem like I want to gain understanding? Yeah. Why don't we do that in relationship, friends? Can you unpack that for me? Hey, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I just, I just want, I want to make sure that there's no wall between us. So can you tell me what, what do you mean by that? I'm not asking you to justify yourself. I'm just, can you be, just be honest with me? You see the difference, guys? You want someone to be amazed at your understanding? Then you must be a good listener. Can I also point out an important detail about what we read in Matthew 18, 15? Jesus is not saying that you're right. He just says that you've been hurt and offended. He says, if a brother has sinned against you, and that word sin, there's a wide margin of what it means. So the literal translation is to miss the mark. It's an archer's term. And, it, and this usage that Jesus is using says to miss the mark. It means you didn't get a bullseye. Anything outside of the bullseye is sin. And so you miss the mark. So it, the translation says it could be as extreme as that you have wandered away from from scriptural teaching and you are in sin. That's, that's, the, that's the worst extreme right there. But it could also be as simple as you've made a mistake. And that's all it says. If a brother has done, if a sister has hurt you or offended you, but it doesn't say you're right and they're wrong. It says what's needed is open dialogue. Isn't that amazing? It's not that there be a firm resolution at that moment because sometimes in understanding we we process things differently how many of you guys know someone that processes four or five slower than you do i can process quick boom 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 i got an answer it drives my wife crazy she's like how do you how do you always remember all this stuff i'm you know we're in the midst of a loving discussion and uh, she's like, you remember all these facts. You said this at 2.29 a.m. And, and blah, blah, blah. And you remember because the crow was outside and it sounded like it was singing Doobie Brothers. And, and sometimes we have different processing speeds. So if our goal is immediate resolution, we're just wanting microwave popcorn, guys. We're just wanting a fix right now. But if our goal is long-term relationship and resolution, then there's got to be a little bit of, of patience in that. And here's the big key, guys. You can't be in control. And I can't be in control. We've got to let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does His job way better than you ever could or that I ever could. And we've got to let Him be in control. We can't both be in control. We can't. The Holy Spirit will back off. If we try and be in control, he'll go, have at it, kid. 
knock yourself out, champ. I'll be there to pick up the pieces when you fall on your face miserably. But I'll let you make the mistake because you can learn from it so you can grow in character. We need to let the Holy Spirit be in control. Jesus says that if we've been offended or hurt, we must go to that person who did the offense so that unity can be restored. How many times have we been hurt or offended and we were absolutely certain that they did it with malicious intent? We were convinced. I saw the look on her face. She knew exactly what she was doing and she did it to get under my skin. We were convinced of it. Until we talked to them and they said, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that had happened. I, I, one of my best friends at work just got laid off and I couldn't shake it. I couldn't stop thinking about it. My heart was for that person. So I don't know what I conveyed with my expression, but oh, I, that, that's, where I, that's the place I was at. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, oh, maybe, maybe I was wrong. I know that little Johnny. He was saying seven cats just to get under my skin. He was doing it just to be a smart Alec. I don't know what an Alec is because it's not Alex. It's a smart Alec. But if anyone knows, let me know what an Alec is. Um, he was being a smart Alec. And he said seven and he knew darn well what I was asking. And Johnny's sitting there going, you're one of my mom's closest friends. You've been to our house a half dozen times. You've seen my cat. You've held my cat. You know how I was excited to get that cat. You singled me out in front of the class. And so I was giving you an honest answer. And I thought you'd be proud of me for giving an accurate answer. Seven is the honest answer. Context, people. Perspective. Sometimes in the things we do to hurt one another, to offend one another, we're just thoughtless. Or maybe our timing stunk. And I'm not saying being thoughtless is like this great thing. I, you know, we, we should be thoughtful people. But man, thoughtless is a whole lot better than evil, huh? When we go to a brother or sister with a hurt or an offense, we have to remember that there is a goal. Unity. Restoration. Strength. I remember when I was in college, when I was at ORU, this is Oral Roberts University, this is a Christian college. I'm a senior. Okay, I'm a, I'm a sixth year senior, if I'm being honest. I'm a sixth year senior because I transferred a bunch. And, and uh, there was a guy that had been really rude to my younger sister. And he had said some things that were really hurtful. And so he was on the baseball team, he was a catcher, pretty big guy. You know, about about my size, but you know, I I, I was feeling pretty motivated, and uh, I went up behind him, and I he was eating, he was facing that way, and I put my hands on his shoulders, and I pointed to a guy sitting across from him who I knew, and I'm like, Bill, I got a favor for you, man, and uh, I said, I, I don't know, and I forget the dude's name now. We're gonna call him Alec. We're gonna call him Alec. This is coming full circle, baby. So I'm like. I'm like, hey, I don't, I don't know Alec. I don't know him very well. He might be a good guy. But see, he spoke ill of my sister and he said this and this about her. And I don't want to hurt Alec. I don't want to beat him up. I don't want to make a point about him so that no... And I'm not saying this was the right thing. Okay, I was in college and I was younger and this is my expression at the time. And I said, I don't want to have to hurt him. I don't want to have to... You know, I, I like the baseball team. You know, he's a, he's a good catcher. 
you know, I want us to win some games. Can you talk to him and let him know what he did so that I don't have to? And the guy looked at me and he was like, yeah, Mark, yeah, I'll do that. And I gave him a hard, inappropriate slap on the shoulder and I walked away. And we didn't talk about it. We didn't do anything. But apparently, like they did. And he's like, yeah, man, they, I, I, I was being a jerk. What I did was wrong. I like Amy. Amy's, I like Amy. What I did was totally wrong. And then, so we, he and I never, t- we didn't talk at that point. So then later on, man, this is painted a really bad picture of me. Okay, we got to go with it. We got to go with it. So later on, I'm in the dorm and, and, and I'm having words with this other guy. And Alec, Alec sees me having words and he steps in front of me. He goes, you got a problem with Harper. You got a problem with me and not just with me, with the entire baseball team. So I think why I think long and hard what you have to say to Harper right now before I step in. And I'm like, I love being a dude. I love being a dude. And honestly, he and I ended up talking. He and I ended up being friends and we both matured in some ways. And, and we realized there were just a whole lot of moving parts there that none of us were aware of. You see, if I'm having a bad day, if, I, I've, if some tough things have happened and I haven't run to the Lord in faith, man, my responses can be really fleshly. My responses can be really negative and they can lack faith and they can lack grace. And, and if you kind of catch me in that time, my words and my actions can be hurtful or painful, offensive. So Jesus, what he said is, you're not always going to be at your best. And so I'm going to give you a plan of how to go to one another. So when you're not at your best and you do hurt and offend one another, you know what to do. Praise God, right? Our goal has to be to speak the truth in love to be vulnerable in how we are feeling and we hope that they hear our hearts. We hope that they listen and we hope that they gain understanding. Our goal has to be preserving unity and preserving the hood. We got to preserve the brotherhood. We got to preserve the sisterhood. We got to preserve the hood. It's important. You know, in 1991, there was a movie called Boys in the Hood. Ice Cube, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Morris Chestnut, Regina King, Nia Long. I mean, just a great cast, okay? And Ice Cube, his character Doughboy, uh, he has this quote at the end of the movie. Scene. He says, uh, either they don't know, don't show, or don't care about what's going on in the hood. What does this have to do with my message? Very little. I just, to be honest with you, I just really wanted to quote that. It's a great quote. But I like that theme of preserving the hood, preserving the brotherhood, preserving the sisterhood. You guys, we got to fight for it. we got to fight for our unity. And I'm telling you right now, this is not easy to do because if it's not easy to do. It's hard, especially if your temperament is such where, um, man, conflict is like the last resort and confrontation is even really scary. Or 
Let's say you have done this before and you have done it spot on. But it maybe wasn't received the way that you had hoped. And maybe they didn't listen at all. And maybe they didn't walk away with any understanding of what you came from. And maybe it even got worse. Does this make you want to jump in and do it again sometime soon? Probably not. Let me read that last part of that. Verse 17. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. If only there was someone in Scripture that was an expert on being a tax collector. If only there was someone in Scripture who maybe had been a tax collector himself. And perhaps that person who was a tax collector himself had had an encounter with Jesus so he could speak to it firsthand of what Jesus, the way that Jesus treated a tax collector. If only, if only. Friends, who wrote the book of Matthew? This is not a trick question, I promise you. Who wrote the book of Matthew? Katie. Matthew. Okay, I I so wish I had like a scratch and sniff sticker to give you or a gold star. You're just nailing it today, Katie. Matthew. Matthew wrote the book of Matthew. What was Matthew's profession? He was a tax collector. And Jesus went past him one day and said, follow me. Follow me. Join arms with me. Matthew wrote this. So when Matthew says, if they don't listen and they don't listen and they don't listen and they don't listen, then you have no response other than to let him be to you as a Gentile. Let him be unto you as a tax collector. Jesus treated this tax collector with grace and love and inclusion and made him feel valuable And so if we reach that wall where they haven't listened according to Scripture and according to Matthew who has been there and done that, he says, now you've got to back up and you've got to start over and you've got to be praying for that person as if you would pray for a Gentile, so someone who doesn't know Jesus. You've got to pray for him. You've got to have grace for him. You've got to have understanding. Listen, this is how the the Message Bible conveys that. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along so that um, the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch. Confront him with the need for repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. And then the next verse says, I truly, truly, I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's the very next verse. And remember what this means. Whatever... Whatever conduct you allow or disallow based on your correct interpretation of Jesus, stand with that and God's going to stand with you. 
I honestly believe that on this passage, this is why um, in so many things, in so many ways that as a church, that, that the church chooses to do things, that's why there's differences. We, we do things a certain way and we interpret Jesus in this passage a certain way, but we do so sincerely. We do so with, with our only motive being to draw closer to Jesus and to make him known and to, and to reflect him. And, this, and so we do it a certain way. But if you go to a church across the street or down the road, they might do it a different way. Who's right? Who's wrong? Okay, like the teacher and the, and, and the student, if we are seeking the Lord, if we are trying to appropriately and correctly interpret Jesus, then he says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth, or earth is loosed on heaven. He's saying, what, whatever you allow or disallow, I'm going to stand with you, but seek me first. He says it again in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. And then he just gets done saying that. And he says, again. So Jesus is reiterating what he just said. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. But the context is, you've hit a wall. You couldn't see eye to eye and you're just not hearing each other. So will you come together? in agreement of how I want to do things. Because in that, in that agreement, in that place of heart, then I'm there with you. This isn't, I want a Mustang convertible. So would you, Monica, would you and Ansel just agree in prayer with me? I get that Mustang convertible, baby. The context is, are, are we willing to stand with Jesus and what he says about division? Are we willing to stand in agreement with Jesus and say, um, Kara and I, we just can't find, we can't see eye to eye there. So Jesus, I don't want to be right and Kara doesn't want to be right. We only want you to be right. And just so you guys know, that is a prayer that Kara and I pray when we hit a wall and we just, we're not seeing eye to eye. Our prayer is, Jesus, with all my heart, I don't want to be right. And I know my wife, with all her heart, she doesn't want to be right. Not at the expense of you being wrong, Lord. We need you to be right. You guys, to, to walk in unity as the church, to have a goal of unity, we've got to be willing to walk that extra mile. We've got to be willing to yield our, our comforts and our and, and our preferences. And then we got to be vulnerable and we got to share our hearts and say, hey, this, this is how I feel. And, and, and I felt this way when I perceived that you did this or said this. And, and I'm not trying to tell you what your motives were because I don't know your heart. I, I'm here to ask you, would you tell me your heart in this? But I, I'm, I'm here to tell you my heart that, that um, man, I got hurt. I got offended. And then you have dialogue together, man. And then you, you link arms together and maybe you cry together and maybe you're stronger going into that next battle together. This is the way, this, that's the Matthew 18 principle, friends. That's the way Jesus said we're supposed to do it. And it shows, it shows endurance. It shows commitment. It shows vulnerability. It shows a lot of really 
to some of us scary things. Verse 21, then Peter came up and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Jesus says, there's not a number on it, Peter. There's not a number on it, man. You're not going to... Stop counting. Stop counting, Peter. Because you're never going to hit that number. There's not, a, there's not an end point. You have to... Keep, how many times am I forgiving you, bud? I'll keep forgiving you, Peter. I'll keep forgiving you. And you've got to keep forgiving. And then if you really want to take it a step further, read the parable that Jesus says next. The very next verse. Read the parable... That, that Jesus talks about the king who forgave a debt and then the wicked servant who was just received, for, for, received forgiveness for a debt that he could never repay, refused to forgive. And then Jesus says one of the most radical things in all of scripture. He says, this is how my father in heaven will treat you if you don't forgive those. And he never changes the theme, friends. He never changes the theme. It's the same theme. And Jesus went to great lengths. And I know we've made them these nice little Christian morsels in these memes. And we've, you know, we've segmented them. But it's the same theme. Stand in unity. See, it's easy for me to get up there right now and, and, and to say this. If right now there's no beef between you and I. But you know what's hard is if, if there's beef between Christine and I and we haven't done that now, now, you know, th that's where the rubber hits the road, right? Now it's when we have to put our faith into action and it can no longer just be words. We have to grab a hold of it as truth. So what, why, I asked the Lord, Lord, what, why am I preaching that this week? Why is this on your heart? Unity is always on the Lord's heart. Relationship is always on the Lord's heart. Us, we are always on the Lord's heart. And He wants us to be strong together. And He wants us to exemplify family. We can't just say we're family because we all go to the same church. I don't know about you, but my family and I, we rub each other the wrong way. We offend each other from time to time. There's times, most people, like like you guys, and you're, you're so wonderful, like you have usually more grace for me than like my own family would. Because my family has 48 years of me being a rockhead or 21 years of me being a rockhead. You know, you just have like a couple years of me being a rockhead. We got to have grace for one another. And you guys, it's not just so that we are stronger as, as friends. It's so that we are obedient to Jesus Christ. That we are obedient to the Father who said, this is how I planned it. Do it this way.